and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of geek to me Radio. Tonight, we're talking with writer, podcaster, and host Evan Ross Katz about his brand new book, Into Enter Every Generation, how Buffy the Vampire Slayer staked our hearts about the book, his interviews, all that and more. Stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. And if you don't know, Star Trek and Star Wars will try to explain The Antwerp Dodgers will hold what houses One ring rolls and more To be the greatest Pokemon master You must catch them all You must catch them all And if you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the big 550 KTRS, hello to you. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're streaming us out there in the world on the World Wide Web, be it the KTRS app, ktrs.com slash stream, or maybe you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, hello to all of you, and thank you very much for finding us and listening and subscribing. No video tonight because I'm actually not live. This is a pre-recorded show. Uh, it's a brand new show, so it's content you've not heard before. If you're uh, listening, don't turn it off. This is a brand new interview that you've never heard before with writer, podcaster, and host Evan Ross Katz. It's a very fascinating interview over a topic I love, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Something came up on Twitter the other day. They said, what was your, what's your comfort TV show? And I really feel it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can put in single episodes, and you, you know, I will know anyway exactly what's going on in the context of the season. Brand new viewers might be daunted by this, but if uh, I know it's found a brand new audience as well with uh, people now discovering it. Sarah Michelle Gellar has been talking about how she's showing it to her ch- children, and it's one of those things. It, it's kind of neat that a whole new generation, ironically enough, since his book is called Into Every Generation, uh, a, a new generation is finding this series again, and I think it, it holds up really well still to this day. I had the chance to read this book. My, obviously, my KTRS cohort here, Max Foise from Maxon Movies, said, hey, I just got this book. You've got to read this, and I've got an interview coming out. So you may have heard Evan on Max's show, Maxon Movies, a couple months ago. Uh, but this is an interview I was saving. I was kind of sitting on it. It's it's timeless, so it's not like it's, oh, I, I should have played this a while ago. The book is still out, and I highly recommend you get it. If you're a Buffy fan, if you're a fan of Hollywood tell-alls, uh, which I don't think that's how the book was set out to be, but it kind of ended up being that with all the stuff that came out after the allegations uh, you know, against Joss Whedon and things like that. The book took a different turn, and we'll discuss that with Evan as well. Uh, that being said, the writer, podcast host, uh, kind of does it all. He's worked with huge magazines from GQ, Harper's Bazaar, Oprah Magazine, and he's the foremost person who will give you any information you need to know about Sarah Michelle Gellar. Evan Ross Katz, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the time. I always get a little nervous before interviews, but this is a kind of different nervous because you are an interviewer. And now I'm like, I I will make sure I don't sound stupid because this guy knows how to interview people as well as being interviewed. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I I do appreciate (laughs) the time anyway. I'm very flattered. And I'll say I get equally nervous too. Uh, Despite the fact that I've been doing it for a long time, I still get nervous before just about every interview. So, And with this book, you interviewed... Just about everybody. I, we won't talk about Marty Knox because I know that's a sore subject for you reading the book. But uh, you've interviewed just about everybody else. And so I, I, at what point in your career did you kind of put the nerves mostly on the back burner? Well, I knew that once I had Sarah for this book, that Sarah would sort of be a gateway to most of the cast. I mean, something that was that I had figured was the case and then was told to me explicitly was that there are certain cast members of this show 
who will not do anything Buffy related without a sign off from Sarah Michelle Gellar. Hmm. Basically, her participation in something is more or less a signal that this is something worth doing for, for many of the other cast members. So once I had her and her trust in creating this, I knew that I could pretty much get most of the cast assembled and with the level of trust that I needed. Lay the groundwork for me. How did you first uh, get to know Sarah Michelle Gellar? We have a very odd story, but basically we have a mutual friend, the creator of the show Ringer, that she went on to do um, after Buffy. Yeah, so he's like Eric Carmelo's a mutual friend of ours. He first introduced us, and I was very much introduced as, you know, a psychotic super fan. Um, (laughs) And then through the years, we had a couple of professional run-ins. We met, again, Andy Cohen introduced us in person at Watch What Happens Live. And then I think just through beating down the door so many times, at some point she just was like, you know what, I'll open it for you. So um, it you know, began as a professional relationship has turned into uh, blessedly a friendship over the years. And I know she's obviously on the Hollywood circuit. She's done movies, TV, she's done it all. But I feel like she's a more private person. She doesn't get out there much about her private life as much. She doesn't do the conventions, not that she needs to. But I, I think having her in your corner and support this, like you said, that was a huge thing to start with. Yeah. I think that she's someone, you know, she's been famous since she was five years old. She actually appeared in a Burger King commercial at five years old. And, you know, she won an Emmy award in her mid teens for all my children. I mean, she spent the vast majority of her life in the public eye. So I think now in, you know, in her adult life, now that she's kind of put acting more, more or less on the back, for the time being as she raises her kids i don't think she's someone really interested in chasing fame i also think when you're a part of something and this is not unique to buffy but when you're a part of something with such a profound legacy i think you get to a point where you feel like you've exhausted every possible avenue of conversation Mm. and so i think for sarah it's for, for her my sense is she feels like she said everything that needs to be said about buffy And also she's asked a lot of the same questions about it over the years. So even I, as a fan of hers, started to observe the fact that in many interviews, she tends to give the same answer, not because she's unoriginal, but just because she's been asked the question so many times. So one of my goals was really try and, especially with her, provide a fresh perspective by way of the questions I was asking. She's one of the people who I've ever since I started this radio show that I would have loved to talk to. I was, like I said, loved the crazy ones that only got one season, sadly, after oh, Robin Williams' yes. passing. Uh, the Ringer was phenomenal. So, I mean, outside of Buffy, she's done so many great projects. But I feel like after reading your book, I would have nothing left to ask her. I think you've, you've really <laughs> done so much of the of the really intrinsic questions that are these hard hitting things. And so I'm kind of like, well, I'm done. If I ever get her now on the show, I won't know what to talk about. So I I love the line of question you did give. And I think to your point, it was very fresh. And I I think uh, just based on her answers, stuff that she had to pause and think about. So kudos there. Thank you. And we could this, I I was worried about the interview too, with you because we, this could devolve into just a Buffy fan out we could sit here and talk about our favorite episodes favorite characters favorite big bads favorite writers uh which they can't you kind of cover all that in the book too because you don't make any secret of your favorite season and things like that but it's it's the book itself is what's really interesting because this isn't just a 25 year retrospective on a cultural phenomenon of a tv show this digs deep into uh, you know the chapters dissect each season by season and then the last part of this that I'm into now, it almost feels like it was written post-book, like the Jostuff happened and like, oh, we've got to add more chapters to this. Am I right? Sort of. I mean, I had interviewed Charisma Carpenter in 2020, um, actually for my podcast, in which a lot of the stuff that later came out, you know, while the book was being written, was sort of insinuated to me. And mind you, Joss accusations have been out there as early, publicly, as early as 2017. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say that, um, you know, a new direction was formed as a result of Charisma and Amber and Michelle coming forward in 2021. But to your point, there were certain aspects that had to be dug deeper into. And even now, I mean, since the book has come out, more has transpired. Joss did an interview with New York Magazine, which was his first sort of on-the-record conversation since the accusations had come out. So 
as much as it is a retrospective, the story of Buffy, um, I was going to say for better or for worse, but mostly for worse, it seems, um, it's a sort of, it's a live story in that the legacy of this show is very much alive and continues to shift in real time. And it's interesting too, just the, the this, uh, it all comes out and there's obviously we have the tweets and the Instagram posts from Charisma and from Julie Benz. And there's even, you, you have a part in your book where you talk about Charisma kind of at a Comic-Con, a fan mentions that they didn't like the way her character was taken off the show. And there's those knowing looks between Julie and Charisma. You feel like this was kind of bubbling under the surface, just waiting for the right time to come out. And it seems like with the current climate, I would guess, thank goodness, uh, people feel free now to come out and speak what they've been keeping repressed for all this time. Yeah, and I mean, on top of all of that, I mean, Joss, I was going to say is to some extent, was to others, you know, one of those two words, a really beloved figure and, and seen by many as a great auteur you know, not just with Buffy, you think about his other creations, whether it be Dollhouse or Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog or Cabin in the Woods, what have you. This is a man that people love or loved. And I think for Charisma, she was put in a situation where she felt that for her to come forward and speak out against someone so beloved that she might be the villain in the story. Yeah. And thankfully, because of uh, the shifting culture that we find ourselves in, I think she felt empowered enough to to understand that people would have her back. But that wasn't, you know, the way she saw it at one time. And that could have even been the case had she come forward, you know, at the time that this happened, she could have very easily not been believed. So thankfully, I think a combination of her own readiness to come forward and the culture shifting gave us, uh, gave her rather the courage to come forward and share her story. I do think that Sarah's uh, post on Instagram was perfectly worded as far as like, she's, she's grateful to be associated with Buffy but obviously the things with Joss Whedon has done are not forgivable. You can't harass people. You can't treat people like this. But there are fans out there. I feel like we're at that brink of culture now. Call it cancel culture. Call it consequence culture. Whatever you want where people are like, oh, well, we can't watch that show anymore because it's produced by that guy. It was written by that guy. And I feel that's a very sad place to be. And I don't think – I think Buffy is one of those shows that can weather the storm, though. I think it's still going to have its place. And I think there are enough fans of it who are able to separate – the the writer and the creator from the project itself yeah there definitely are i i would put myself in that camp i mean i don't think i would have written this book if i wasn't sure. but that said i completely understand and there are people i spoke to that are quoted in this book as saying you know their experience of this show is tainted now with the accusations that have come out and they don't want to revisit it so as much as i can say yes i can still watch this show separate art from artists there's a swath of people and, and who's to say how large or small they are who, and again, this is Buffy, but there are other instances in which this has happened with an art, with an artist and their work. Um, there are people out there that are going to say, I can never, never watch this again. So regardless of whether, you know, I personally think that the, the show's reputation is damaged or tainted or what have you, it is, you know, just by way of there are people out there that yeah. feel that it is. So it's, um, it's something that'll be interesting to continue to revisit. I think it's the kind of thing we'll be checking in on at the 30th anniversary, 35 and so forth, and kind of saying, okay, has this show weathered the storm? Or perhaps the question really is, to what extent has it weathered it? And I think culturally, it's, its impact on television certainly can't be denied, no matter which way the winds blow the uh, love for the show over the years or not as we go forward, as you said. I was particularly taken uh, by Anthony Stewart Head, it seemed like he seemed very distraught that as that father figure on the set, no one came to him. No one felt they could. I'm not sure if that was the, again, the conditions in which Joss kept the set where people felt they couldn't speak out since it seemed like, again, allegedly from what everything I'm reading, he pitted people against each other, maybe felt that they couldn't go to Anthony Stewart head about these things. But I, I feel bad for him because he really felt it sounded like some regret as to not having known, not having someone come forward where he could have helped. We're going to pause right there, take a quick commercial break. We'll come back, talk more with Evan Ross Katz right after this. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Hi, everybody. This is James Masters with his sexy fake British accent. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio.
Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio, heard here on the Big 550 every night, 9 p.m. You're streaming us out there in the world, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Want to make sure we tell you about Bugs Comics and Games, BugsComicsAndGames.com, the official comic book sponsor of Geek to Me Radio. If you're looking for some place to get your Buffy the Vampire Slayer action figures uh, from McFarlane Collectibles, maybe the Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic books, Bugs Comics and Games just might be the place you want to go. Right there off of Bryan Road in O'Fallon, Missouri, easily accessible from either Highway 70 or from 364. Also, you might want to catch their website if you're listening to this and you're outside the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area. BugsComicsAndGames.com. You can go there for your shopping needs. Maybe your local place, wherever you might be listening to this from, doesn't have the, the figure you want or the comic book you want or the variant cover you want or the Funko Pop you want. Check out the website. Larry and Tim do a great job of getting their stuff up there for you to see. And they ship out stuff every week. There's usually a big pile of stuff going out because a lot of people have found them online and a lot of people are buying from them online. But it's always great if you're local to get in there and uh, dig through the boxes and boxes of the back issues for yourself, the the toys that he's got uh, displayed. It's a really cool setup, a great shop. And I've been going to Larry to buy my comic books since before I could drive. And I'm so glad that he's reopened his comic book store in the new location in O'Fallon, Missouri, we mentioned on Brian Road. Give their Facebook page a like, Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook. And, of course, if you get a chance to go by there and check them out, uh, tell them you heard about them on geek to me Radio. And, um, like I said, any, any of your comic book needs, back issues, toys, comics, games, new comics, if you're looking for cards, uh, whatever they might have, there'll be something there for everyone. Once again, BugsComicsAndGames.com. Very proud to have them as the official comic book sponsor here on geek to me Radio. Chatting with writer, producer, podcast host Evan Ross Katz about his book, Into Every Generation, all about Buffy. And we asked him about uh, Anthony Stewart Head. Obviously, a lot of this was going on. Anthony Stewart Head mentions a, a part of in the book he's upset that no one came to him when all this, all this uh, drama was going on and these allegations of uh, misconduct by Joss Whedon. Anthony Stewart Head said, I'm crushed that no one felt they could come to me. I kind of felt like the father figure of the group. So uh, we did ask Evan about his talk. Anthony was an interesting guy. I'll be honest with you. Uh, he was really reticent to do the interview with me um, because of, you know, all of the stories that were happening in real time. And then I finally got him. And I think that my, my impression is, and again, I'm just speaking about my impression of him mm -hmm. was that he is distraught over the fact that the experiences that are being shared now are ones that do not align with his own experience. And so I think he is sort of having to thread the needle mm. on hearing from multiple people that were in some of the same rooms as hit him that a very different experience was had. And so it's not, I think he's sort of reconciling the emotion of, well, I didn't see any of that go on, but if enough people that were there say that it happened to them, then it must be true. But what does that mean when something is both true, but not my truth? And so right. I think he's grappling with a, with a complex emotion on that front. So this, this book really runs the gamut because it, it, it's part fan, but it's part retrospective. It, it's part investigative journalism. It kind of ticks a lot of boxes. What was the biggest challenge to you, I would say, other than getting the interviews and kind of locking everything down? What was the biggest challenge for you in writing this book? I would say just the amount of research necessary because sort of deciding what to zoom in on and what to sort of mention I think that there's a lot of, you know, I'll give you a for instance. When it comes to conversations about should Buffy have ended up with Angel or Spike or who was Buffy's great love, I, as a fan, am not terribly interested in that conversation. And I think that conversation has been had for 25 years. <laughs> so, but at the same time, I can't overlook it entirely because there's a reason why it's been had for 25 years, right? So I think for me, it was balancing how much space to give to some of like the larger topics within the show versus figure out what are the aspects or angles of the show that are unique to either my perspective or my access, right? So for instance, Bianca Lawson has only done one interview about Buffy in the 25 years since. And wow. so to me, talking about Kendra and getting the opportunity to chat with her, that was a huge get. But mm -hmm. for a lot of Buffy fans out there or, you know, casual viewers of the show, they'd be like, that's a character who's in you know, two or three episodes of the show, why is she so significant? 
as I get into in the book, well, it turns out she she holds a significance for a lot of fans. But so it just became a really a balancing act about, you know, which areas to really go deep on. Um, cause there are so many things to talk about within this show. Again, there's a reason why we're having a conversation 25 years later. One of the things I loved about the book too, is at the, uh, towards the end of several of the chapters, you'd put out your poll as to what people thought about the particular season. And you listed, uh, in detail, several of the people's responses. And I'm struck by how much this show meant to so many different people for so many different reasons, and it resonates with them differently if they're in a minority, if they're if they're white male, if they're black female, that this show hits on different levels across the spectrum, and that's that's just amazing to me to think about. Well, it's interesting too because when I was first watching this show as a kid, it was mine and mine alone. It was something you know I watched the show alone. There, I wasn't going on, you know, I was nine or 10 years old. I wasn't going on, there barely was the internet at that time. But even when the message boards began to emerge more towards the back half of the show, I was not, I was too young to be on, on the internet. So it was something I really experienced in solitude. And in writing this book, and obviously in the subsequent years, what I've come to discover is what I thought was so unique to me and my journey with the show is actually something that a lot of people share, but also share in their own private, in their own solitude. So it's interesting, like this show is so impactful, but I didn't really come to understand how, how wide that impact was until I wrote this book. And the character of Buffy is that, that uh, empowerment. It's about coming you know, There's all the, the tropes. There's the, the self versus self. Uh, there's man versus nature. There's, you get all of that in this series. It's all encapsulated and the journey that they all went on. But Willow particularly resonates with so many people as well, because I think of all the characters, it could be argued that she had the biggest uh, journey transformation arc of any of them throughout the entire series. And it's interesting that you weren't able to get Allison, because I know as of the time, I think you said you had an interview locked in with her, but then it was uh, rescheduled and hasn't been rescheduled. Have you had a chance to speak with her since? No, unfortunately, we have not. I mean, we had the interview locked and loaded. I was very excited. It was to happen the Friday that Charisma came out um, with her accusations uh, against Joss. And as a result, they, her, you know, her people came in and said, we don't think this is the right time, which I understood. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of went back to them weeks later and then I kept knocking and I kept saying, well, what if we, you know, make sure there's no, you know, no topic around Joss within the interview, you know, we keep the interview strictly about the show and they just would not budge. So it was disappointing just because she's the only other actor besides Sarah to appear in every episode of the show. And then, as you mentioned, she has this tremendous arc on the show. And also, you know, she's gone on to do How I Met Your Mother Mm -hmm. and other projects that I don't think she talks about Buffy as much as a lot of the other alumni. She's not, you know, part of the convention circuit She's not going and doing the panels like a lot of the other cast are. So I was really hoping to chat with her. Um, and, you know, I remain hopeful there will be a you know paperback version of the book coming out in 2023. And, and who knows, maybe I'll finally get that phone call and she'll be ready to talk. That, that we would get an appendage to the book. That would be fantastic if we get something there. And also her husband, who played Wesley, obviously, did, did he were you able to talk to him at all? Or was it kind of the same encampment? No, I, you know, funny enough, I didn't seek him out only because he plays such a minor role on the show. And there came a point, I mean, obviously I know he's a very significant part of the spinoff Angel. There did come a point, though, when I had to sort of say, okay, who am I doing outreach to? I think I made an initial outreach to him at the very beginning. And when I didn't hear back, there were certain people, I had to decide who am I really going to chase? Mm-hmm. And he was someone that I didn't feel like there was necessarily going to be information that he was going to provide that was hugely important being that you know he appeared in he was a recurring character for half a season so i just think in the scheme of things i would have loved to chat with him but i didn't feel like he was a missing puzzle piece in the way that i did with someone like allison obviously the actors you got uh, were you almost covered the entire cast between we mentioned anthony stewart had seth green talked at length with you uh mark blucas even came in danny strong i thought was very open about everything too with uh, everything you seemed like you had a great chat with him with the behind the scenes people the writers the producers the costumers was there anybody of that 
level that you got that you were kind of surprised by something that they'd relayed to you? I mean, the biggest surprise came from Cynthia Bergstrom, who was the costume designer for seasons two through six. So, you know, a big bulk of the show. And I had interviewed Cynthia before for a paper magazine story. I think it was for like the 23rd anniversary or something. And I always got the impression that it was a tough subject for her to talk about. Mm. And it wasn't that she said that. Again, it was just the impression I got. And, and you know, I always wondered, it was like, you know, you're with the show from season two. You, she made the switch over to UPN. Why? And, you know, the con- it was the show. They knew that the show was going to end after season seven. I just, it, it was always strange to me that she would choose to leave the show so close to the end. There were 22 episodes left, one more a year. What, what could be the reason? And so in doing this interview, because I re-interviewed her for the book, she and I think, you know, emboldened by Charisma's statement, she was finally ready to speak. And I just was so shocked to hear that the accusations that were made by some of the actors about Joss, that that sort of, um, that mentality of pitting people against one another was not just amongst the cast, it even extended into the crew, and that she was made to feel, you know, adversarial with Sarah Michelle Gellar, despite the fact that they worked together so intimately. So I think that interview really shocked me. And I want to mention again, if you're listening to this, you can grab the book Into Every Generation, A Slayer is Born, How Buffy Staked Our Hearts. I, I haven't been able to put it down. Obviously, I've had to for a few reasons, eating and sleeping and things like that. But it's been such a great read as far as because if you're a fan of the show first of all there's all these little tidbits like i'm finding out things that i didn't know obviously behind the scenes talk and everything like that but even if you're not a fan of the show you might know of buffy and i talked to a few of my friends and they said yeah i just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch the show reading this book should make anybody who has not seen the show want to go see the show and see what is being talked about in the book. So it's brilliant on any level for matter where you fall in the fandom or whether or not you've seen the show or not. This is a book that should be read, and I think it's a fascinating read. And again, kudos on putting this all together. It's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a labor of love. I don't think I realized uh, how ambitious it was going to be when I first set out to write it, just because... In my mind, I was like, you know, there's just 12 cast members, but then I wasn't thinking about the fact that there are recurring characters and writers and costumers and and then random people that came out of the woodwork that wanted to chat. But I'm I'm really proud of that I was able to put it together, and I I, I think it helps sort of deepen people's understanding of the show. Um, and I think it's you know it's not so simple as saying I love Buffy or I don't love Buffy. It's sort of like I love Buffy and I have aspects of the show that bother me and let's talk about it with this book uh, it's it's so in-depth and you mentioned all the work you went into where did the seed start germinating for hey i'm going to write this book because obviously people were locked down during covid i know a lot of writers i've spoken with had some time to work on their projects uh during the past two years or so when did the germ for this idea kind of first present itself uh, was it how long ago well, I got approached by an agent that sort of wanted to do a book together. And it was sort of like, you know, what do you want to do? He posed that question to me. And I think a lot of people are familiar with the old adage, right? What you know. And I just was like, there's no show that I feel that I can speak to with more authority than Buffy. Having watched it when it first aired, revisited it, you know, almost annually. Like I, 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 just, I know the text so well. I also have relationships with several of the actors, as I mentioned. And so there just were sort of these natural connections to it. And then it just so happened that the 25th anniversary was, you know, on the calendar. I, I, to be honest with you, as, as, as fortuitous or, you know, excuse me, as serendipitously rather as that was, that was actually not in my original plan, though I would proudly lie and say it was, but it wasn't, <laughs> it just so happened. So I think I was able to sort of like, coalesce the idea together around the 25th anniversary but really it was just rooted in write what you know and this is the thing i know best with this show having so many great touchstone moments as i was going through reading the book i can vividly picture the scene and you've even written out some of the scenes when you're trying to show a point of something that was going on in that particular season or whatnot but for me like you'll you'll be able to point out and say, oh, here's the dialogue from this. And there's certain bits of dialogue that are very memorable and stick out. And I can see certain things in my mind that still make me chuckle. Like when uh, during season four, when Giles is drunk and 
and uh, you know Adam is Adam and Spike are trying to split them up, and and Xander says I'll be doing push up at Fort Dix. Just Giles' face and his laugh when he <laughs> says Fort Dix. Little things like that. What are some of those moments for you? It might not be like my favorite episode, or it might not be this was a great scene. But what are those little callback moments that will make you kind of smile in your brain when you think of them? We're going to pause right there, take another commercial break. We'll come back getting that answer from Evan Ross Katz right after this. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Hi, this is Leslie Ann Brunt. I play Mazakeen on Lucifer, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Geek to Me Radio live on the Big 550. Well, pre-recorded tonight, but usually live. I think this is only the second pre-recorded show I've done since I've been on the air here on KTRS. I want to make sure we tell you about our official premier sponsor, the people without whom we would not be on the radio. Uh, Certainly not as long as we've been. They are the people who came on in the beginning August, we're celebrating six years on the radio, which means six years that the city of St. Charles has been our premier sponsor, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. The website, of course, uh, longtime listeners of the show will know it by heart already, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com for a great place to visit, not just the website, of course, the city itself. If you want to go check it out, you've still got that last little bit of summer. You want to get in, you want to go bike ride the Katy Trail, you want to go and uh, play with the dog in Frontier Park, you want to do something outdoors. City of St. Charles has that for you, as I mentioned, Frontier Park, as I mentioned, the Katy Trail. Don't have a bike? No problem. Check out the Bike Stop Cafe right there on South Main Street. You can not only grab lunch, you can rent a bike from them. Uh, They've got the bikes with the kids' attachment on the backs. They've got bicycles built for two, all sorts of different bikes, your mountain bike, your regular bike, whatever you might want to get from them if you don't already have your bike, and hit the Katy Trail. Get out there and uh, have some fun. Obviously, though the summer is rapidly approaching its end, fall then being right around the corner, my favorite season, we've got Halloween coming up, and of course that means their Legends and Lanterns event. This is a huge thing. I think this is their sixth or seventh year, if I'm not mistaken, doing Legends and Lanterns, which is the sister festival to their very successful Christmas Traditions Festival. And you get to hobnob with all sorts of characters like Igor from Frankenstein, or you can talk to Lizzie Borden, or perhaps you'll want to talk to Abigail Williams. If she doesn't accuse you of witchcraft, you might end up making friends with her. Count Tepe's uh, Dracula, of course, will be there as well. Lots of characters from out history you can interact with. Family-friendly event, though. Think merry, not scary. This is a great event, and you can start planning that trip now. If you're a Halloween fan, last three weekends of October, we want to see you out there on the streets of St. Charles interacting with all these characters and having a good time. Never a bad time to visit St. Charles. Certainly not if you're a foodie with all the restaurants there are up and down the streets, all these little quaint shops with all these unique gifts ideas. If you've got a birthday coming up, if you've got some kind of anniversary plan, maybe hit up some of these stores here along North and South Main Street in St. Charles you might find the perfect gift for that someone who you might be shopping for. A great time to be had, no matter the season, no matter the occasion. Check out the website, whether you're from out of town or if you're here locally. Start there, discoverstcharles.com. That website, again, discoverstcharles.com. As we always say here, it's an historically good time. Before we took that break, we were chatting, as we are this whole hour, with Evan Ross Katz, writer of Into Every Generation, How Buffy the Vampire Slayer Staked Our Hearts. Great, great book. Even if you're a passing fan of the series, it's fascinating, the in-depth interviews he has with all the different cast members. And of course, we wanted to talk about the show as well. So I'd asked him right before we took that last break if there's any favorite touchstone moment or moments from Buffy the Vampire Slayer that uh, kind of resonate with him, that make him smile as he thinks about them, as uh, so many of those moments in the show often do for me. In the season three episode, Band Candy, um, when the Scooby gang is in the cafeteria and Buffy and and Willow are talking, and I I can't remember if it's Buffy or Willow, but someone makes a reference to Willie Loman and MTV's The Real World in one sentence. (laughs) And I remember both at the time and then even now, 
just the dexterity. First of all, I love a pop culture reference, but oh, the yeah. dexterity of referencing Arthur Miller and MTV's The Real World in the same sentence to me <laughs> sort of encapsulates um, why Buffy is so great because anyone can make a pop culture reference, but to make two in one sentence to have them be so, you know, not of the same world. And then, right. you know, and then to have it be on Buffy in the world of Buffy, which in itself is its own, you know, pop culture reference. I, I just love the alchemy of that. I still do. There was a magazine I read several years back uh, when the show, I think it may have just gone off the air or it had was about to go off the air. And there's a thing entitled Buffy Speak so that you could translate yes. some, of the th- some of the things they would say in the show, which I still have that magazine somewhere. I tried to find it before I uh, had this interview, but I, I couldn't come across it, unfortunately. But it, it's, it, it, cha- it had its own pop culturisms. There are things that if you say something, another Buffy fan, their antennas are going to go up and be like, oh, I know that reference. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's among the many reasons why the show holds up is it's it's like both fun to quote, but it's also just fun to say some of the dialogue. I mean, you know, we think about, you know, Yoda with Star Wars and the way Yoda would invert phrases. And it's like Buffy had a similar style sometimes to the show in terms of they would take something so simple and find a way to sort of buffify it. And I think that that it makes it fun to say it makes it uh, just so highly quotable still. Do you have for you one episode out of the entire seven seasons, one episode that if you had to point to it and say, this encapsulates the show, this is what the show's really, it might not be a favorite episode, but an episode that shows this is what this show is about. Like if you had to, uh, one episode to draw someone in, what would it be? I would have them watch Surprise and Innocence, which technically is a two-parter mm-hmm. that takes place midway through, through season two. It's the episodes uh, when Angel first becomes Angelus and and is revealed to Buffy. And I just think it's a great episode in sort of uh, you have this expectation of the show and the construct of the show. And it just completely flips itself over. It basically, you know, at that point, it was Buffy and Angel versus Drusilla, uh, Spike, and then this demon named the Judge. And when Angel becomes Angelus, the tables flip from being a three versus two to a four versus one. And I just love that dynamic on the show because it was like it was willing to raise the stakes so high. And then at the end of the episode, it, you know, it it resolves everything with the judge. But then the real, you know, demon that is Angelus continues on. So just the four versus one. But then even when they defeat the bad guy, the fact that the bad guy lives on to fight another day. I mean, there just was so much wrapped up in that. And I love Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance in that episode because I think that it's one of the first, there are a couple moments before it, but it's one of the first moments where you kind of realize that they don't just have a good actor on their hands. They have a legendary performance. And she gets to use a rocket launcher at the end of that one, which I love. That too. That's always, (laughs) that's always helpful. Yeah, it, it, season two, I think if I, if I had to be pinned down, season two is probably my favorite because it has so many great moments. I love uh, when after he finds Jenny Calendar dead, Giles gets his tool bag and he goes to kill Angel and he almost succeeds. Uh, just it, we, That's the first time we see that bit of Ripper come out of Giles, which I love that part of the aspect. But I think for me, the season five episode checkpoint is to me the, yes. the epitome because that's, I mean, she's getting, when, when I'm having a bad day, if, I'm, if things aren't going right, that's the episode. I will pull out the DVD and watch that episode because when you're getting kicked from all sides, you realize that you're the one in control. And that, that the message of that episode, that episode itself to me encapsulates perfectly what it is to be Buffy, what the show is about. Oh yes. I love that episode so much. And, and I sort of like the idea of these authority figures coming in to Buffy's world and sort of saying, Oh, we're going to lay down the law and Buffy realizing that she doesn't have to acquiesce to any authority figures because those authority figures don't do anything, right? right. Like she is, she is the slayer. They're just sort of, you know, in the wings telling her what to do, but it, she doesn't have to listen anymore. And I think that's, a, you know, among the many ways in which the show is sort of a metaphor for real life, I think a lot of people can relate to that moment, whether it be with your parents or what have you, just when you sort of realize, wait a minute, these you know, this construct of the world that I think so far, it doesn't have to be this way. I can decide for myself. I can make the decision or even in a toxic relationship. Like I can, I have the decision and the power to say, to walk away from this. I hold the power. 
And then also you get these great character moments that perfectly show like Anya trying to pretend like nothing's wrong, offering them biscuits and everything when they come to interview her. And and we, we've got uh, Willow and Tara kind of admitting that, yeah, yeah, we are witches. We're gay witches. That that whole scene with the two of them and the woman's like, that's so not good. really the question I was going to ask you. And then Spike kind of toying with them and finds out the one. I, I, for me, that, that's just such a fantastic episode from a character standpoint, from a story standpoint. Uh, but there are so many of those throughout you you'll even in a bad season you'll get these great episodes like obviously if anyone can say the musical episode is not on their top 5 list i don't want to know that person right no i am i'm aligned yeah i mean i feel like uh one of the great things about the show is that as you said it's like even when there are you know there'll be like an episode or two i don't love and then i'll start to think oh maybe i don't love the show the way i used to and then i'll watch the next episode and be like oh okay we're back on track so it it, it has this way of you know, there are some shows out there that were that were good and then they get bad over time. I don't think that's really Buffy's trajectory. I think it, there are episodes that I think are bad, but I think the show on the whole stays good throughout its run. And it went out on its own terms. I think that that's one thing you can say that they knew, I think, early on because they all signed a contract for seven seasons. They kind of knew where they were going and they didn't overstay their welcome. Like some, I feel like American TV shows more than like european tv shows american tv shows tend to kind of okay you should have been done two or three seasons ago and while you even make the argument in the book that season five could have been a great coda i feel like they they went out on top where they should i think i like the way the story was left and it seems like most people agree yeah i mean as i said like i i, I would have been happy with the end with season five being the end but it's funny because i'm, I'm currently rewatching the show right now and i just uh finished season six and with everything with Dark Willow, and, and I walked away from it being like, you know what? Thank God we got Dark Willow. I am glad we got Dark Willow. So, yeah, I think that I could have seen an endpoint after season five, but I'm glad to to have the show be seven seasons. And again, the book, if you're listening right now, please make sure to check out this book. It's, uh, let me get the title here again, Into Every Generation of Slayers Born, How Buffy Staked Our Hearts. We're talking with the writer Evan Ross Katz. Is there another fandom that you might think you might want to tackle? Uh, this this book is probably going to do gangbusters, I would think, just from the people I've talked to about it. Is there another fandom that you were as passionate about that you kind of have on your radar, maybe? I do. I have been thinking. So I became a big Survivor super fan. Mm. Um, at the onset of the pandemic, I started watching from season one, and wow. I am I finished all... 40 seasons and then I just watched season 41 and I'm currently watching season 42 in real time. And I started a survivor podcast and I've become friendly with a lot of the alumni from the show. So that is a show that, I mean, it couldn't really be more different from Buffy in in many ways. (laughs) Um, But that's a show that I have really, I thought that I loved it as sort of like an escapist sort of, um, you know, dystopian society sort of situation in the beginning, but I've actually, come to find uh, there to be a lot more heart to the show than I expected and a lot more um, twists and turns. And so I think that's the show that I would be keen to do something around. And what's the name of the podcast? Just uh, for people listening, if they want to check it out. The podcast is called Drop Your Buffs. And we do weekly recaps of the episodes as they air in real time. And then we do interviews with alumni from the show. And it's just fun. Like, I, I guess similar to this Buffy book, I really enjoy getting to talk to someone about, you know, a concentrated moment in their life versus doing, you know, sort of a holistic tell me about your life interview. I like when it's sort of just a slice of life. And so with Survivor, it's fun because it's like, hey, let's spend an hour talking about a 39 day period of your life from, you know, could be 10, 15, 15, 20 years ago. And that's vastly different, too, in just the, 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 the people you're talking to. These are everyday people who are on this reality show versus these, uh, in many cases, Hollywood celebrities like Seth Green and Sarah Michelle Gellar, who you're talking about for this book. So I imagine the conversation is, I, I would think, a little more relaxed. Very relaxed. But, you know, what's funny. Interestingly enough, Sarah Michelle Gellar is a really big Survivor fan. Oh. Um, so there's there's a connection there. And actually... For anyone interested, she will be calling in uh, to ask a question to one of our upcoming guests on the show. So there is a tie-in, but yes, it's very different in that they had this 39-day experience and then the majority of them go back to life as they know it. Whereas, you know, with Buffy, it's like, these are actors, they go on to other roles. Again, I said it with Alison Hannigan, it's like, she went on to How I Met Your Mother or Seth Green went on to his film career. And for some of them, this is not a blip in their radar, but this is just sort of like a highlight 
in a longer career. Whereas with Survivor, this is often the most significant, you know, moment in their lives. Absolutely. So you've got that that people can look for. Drop your buffs, and I'll, you're still doing Shut Up Evan as well, correct? Yes, Shut Up Evan's currently in its third season. We'll be having Sarah Michelle Geller on the pod later this season, so stay tuned for that, in which we'll be talking about some of her work beyond Buffy and a bunch of exciting guests coming up. I've got Christina Ricci coming up. I've got Molly Shannon coming up um, and a bunch of celebs. And so, yeah, that's currently, it's every other Tuesday, uh, new episodes drop. Very cool. I can't imagine you have much downtime since it sounds like you're hosting three different shows. You're already planning your next book. Uh, but are you going to do a book tour at all with this Buffy book that's out? I finished the book tour several weeks oh, ago. It's done. So okay. I and I, I, but, but I will continue to be doing some virtual events that will coming up that will be coming up. I'll advertise all of them on my social media channels. So you should catch those and a bunch of like, I've, I continue to do a bunch of podcasts and radio shows too in the interim. It's like you set me up for my next question. Where can people keep up with you? The websites, the social media handles. Yes. So my social media, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Evan Ross Katz. Those are my only social medias. I don't do TikTok or Snapchat or anything else, but Instagram and Twitter, that's where the updates are. And on the Twitter, I understand Kim Cottrell has finally unblocked you. Yes, we are. Uh, we have come to a place of peace. Good. That's always good to know. Peace is best. Uh, this has been yes. so great to talk to you. It's a fascinating book. And I, you've, you've had an amazing career with all you've done in writing and uh, hosting and everything like that. Continued success to you. And hopefully we can have you back on again. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Great interview with a great guy, very talented individual. Evan Ross Katz will put links in the show notes if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. We'll have those links put up where you can uh, keep up with him. And if you want to check that book, we'll have that link as well. If you're a Buffy fan, casual or intense, this is a book you're going to want to check out. I, I absolutely loved it. I was mesmerized. I poured over every page. I think I blew through the entire book. I couldn't stop myself. I think I read it in two days, which is very unusual for me. Usually it takes me at least a week to get through a book, and this one I just simply couldn't put down. So my my huge thanks once again to Evan Ross Katz for being on the show. Uh, we got a lot going on. I want to make sure before we get out of here, though, that we tell you about our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters. That's right. Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern are the official sponsors Four movies here on Geek to Me Radio. If I'm going to go see a movie, I'm going to go see it in the best possible surroundings. And that means I'm going to Marcus Theaters. Lots of locations. I know for a fact here in St. Louis between Ronnie's, De Pere, St. Charles, the uh, De Pere Theater, as I mentioned, is uh, just I think that's the newest one they just renovated most recently. But they've all been updated. They're Werenberg Theaters back in the day. And I, I've always been a Werenberg fan to when I was a little skeptical when someone else was coming in to redo these. But no, no, no. Marcus took what Werenberg was done and they stepped it up a notch, uh, totally just reinventing the way theater is done here in St. Louis, totally revamped all the theaters. And I love going just absolutely love going to these. We saw uh, the Tom Cruise movie. If you haven't seen the sequel to Top Gun, we have Top Gun Maverick, which just made its comeback here recently. And uh, go to the website, MarcusTheaters.com. They always have some kind of special going on. For example, if you just recently caught it here in the past week, they were given out a limited edition movie print with that re-release they did of the film. And, of course, had those behind-the-scenes uh, bits as well in this re-release. We saw that at Ronnie's a couple times. But uh, if you're going to see a movie, do it right. Because I know people have talked about that at home. Well, I've got a really great surround system. Well, I've got this huge TV. It's not the same. And I know some of these companies are doing them same-day releases, and they're finding out, yeah, that's not how people want to see movies. People want to see movies on the big screen. They may they meant to be seen this way. And, of course, some theaters don't pull it off as well. I've never ever been disappointed with a Marcus theater screening uh, when they have the press screenings at Marcus. I'm so happy I can go and get the big giant tub of popcorn and I diet Dr. Pepper, maybe some snow caps if I haven't been too bad and eaten too badly before. And, uh, but yeah, they've, and, and of all, all the special they've got going to, obviously they've got their special on Tuesdays. They've got, uh, if you're a member of the magical movie rewards program, you get all sorts of perks there on Tuesdays. They've got specials going throughout the week. So check out the website, make sure you register next time you're there, get one of those cards so you can start earning points to go see movies with every movie purchase, with every concession purchase you make. 
earn those points, go see something else and uh, or buy more snow caps as, as I would do. It's a great time to go see the movies and there's no better place to do it than at Marcus Theaters. Once again, the website, marcustheaters.com for the best movie going experience in the galaxy. We'll make sure we tell you about what's going on in September because we've got a lot happening there as well. September, I'm dedicating to Batman, the animated series, making its 30th anniversary, which is mind-boggling how it's uh, the time has crept up on us. But yes, it's the 30th anniversary of Batman, the animated series. So I've got special interviews planned all throughout September featuring people who either worked on or were cast members, uh, crew, directors, writers, from Batman the Animated Series. And I think there's going to be a lot of stuff you're going to love. Uh, I, I've got Kevin Conroy, just in case you're wondering. Yes, Batman himself will be one of my interviews. It's already pre-recorded. Some will be live. Some will be pre-recorded. But there's a lot of great content that's coming your way. If you're a Batman Animated Series fan, I highly recommend you uh, bookmark us and come back and check us out in September as well. My thanks to all my sponsors, Marcus Theaters, Bugs, Comics, and Games, the City of St. Charles, Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Thank you, of course, to Evan Ross Katz for being my guest tonight. And thank you to Joey V, who always makes this show look and sound as good as it does. We'll be back next week live with video. So until then, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I sound be. It's not in the Dale, good night. Hey kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.